Hi, and welcome back to OA On Air via social distancing. I'm Kaya Isaacson. This week, it's 321 Go. Then, Cosmo talks to Jimmy Young of Pro Cannabis Media. And last up, Two Minutes with Tom. edition of 321 Go on OA On Air, our weekly look into the world of public affairs, culture, business, and the economy. I'm your host, Cosmo Macero. Joining me here on 321 Go is Cayenne Isaacson. Hello. Hello, Cayenne. She's the official voice of OA On Air. And uh, Cayenne's good to be talking to you again. A lot has happened since we last spoke. Quickly, it has happened. Um... But let's jump right into it because all of a sudden, here we are, and uh, Massachusetts and many other states, not all, are are are, are reopened. I'm not. I don't know if I'd say back to normal, but but unrestri- unrestricted, untethered, and unmasked. Right. Um. Yeah. It's been a while. We took a few weeks off because of you know vacation schedules and Memorial Day weekend and short weeks and all of these things. And when we last spoke, everyone was masked and restrictions were still in place. Fast forward to now, that is no longer the case. Uh, Massachusetts sort of officially reopened. Uh, I'm out in California. We are still not fully opened. Uh, June fifteenth is our date, so I'm looking forward to that. But um. Obviously, great for business, great for the economy. We're starting to see travel. I'm trying to book tickets. Tickets are getting expensive. Uh, all of the things I think that we thought we would we would see when it came back. But it is refreshing to go places and see crowds a little bit, um, which sounds silly. I was watching the Bruins game the other night. Garden packed to the brim um, was an interesting sight. It almost like I was like, is this vintage footage? Like forgetting that things are seemingly open and yes, not back to normal, but new normal, right? Yeah, I may have underestimated the ability of people to sort of snap back or bounce back or um, maybe just underestimated the the, the pent-up demand for a, a more normalized life. And um, because it, it, it feels like a, just a, um, a surge of activity. It, it feels like um, you look around, you are around, certainly driving um, the, the, the uh, traffic-free roads. That's, that's ancient history now. Um, but I really did think at one point maybe it was just um, in, at the depth of my, you know, my own sort of unhappiness with the pandemic that I'm like, I, I, I'm having trouble envisioning life returning to normal. And man, it's like a light switch went off. Um, once those vaccines started rolling out, once people started getting vaccinated once essentially everyone became qualified to get vaccinated forget about it it was like okay here we go and then here in massachusetts and i know that uh california's a couple weeks behind uh or you know down the road but governor lifts restrictions may 29th it was like a new holiday it was like it was like the holiday before (laughs) memorial day you know it's like freedom day 
Yeah, I well, you know, Memorial Day weekend of all things, the, the unofficial kickoff of the summer. I know you guys didn't have the best weather uh, for that, but it seemed, I'm sure, extra special in that regard. I don't, I think that because people were starting to feel it, I think the snapback probably is happening a bit bigger than perhaps some would have expected because it seems like we've been waiting for it. It's been talked about for weeks, if not months, it kind of dragged on. Um, so it was sort of like people were getting antsy and it was like enough is enough. And, you know, now here we are and people getting what? It, okay. So here's a question. What do you think about the fact that they're now offering incentives to people to get vaccinated? Like, I didn't get a gift certificate to anywhere. <laughs> I got nothing free except, you know, my health. Yeah, I am. Um, <clears throat> look, I, I, I think that there is going to be a, a segment of the population that is wary about uh the vaccine and that's going to continue and, and, and but it's in everyone's interest for people to become vaccinated i think there's only so much you can do within the realm of civil liberties to make that happen uh bribing people is certainly one of them though and <laughs> one of them uh that's okay um my my other thing is sort of the evolution of mask wearing and, and because I have found myself almost purely out of, um, it, it's not habit, it's, you know what, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I still don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable, I still want to be respectful, I'm going into a store, I'm wearing my mask still, I know the employees still are, more or less, and, and that's fine with me, I, I've even worn it around outside a bit, but people are starting more people are starting to think and express why, why are people wearing masks? And, and I, I read an article where someone was quoted saying, you know, if, you're, if you want to live the rest of your life in fear, that's your business, but why are people wearing masks? It's like, okay, you know, it, it, there's something that evolved quickly also. Um, you know, I, I, I gotta say, I, I, again, looking inwardly, I don't feel nervous about the virus in any way like I did six, even six months ago. I probably should because who knows what would happen with one of these variants. Um, but I just, I, I, I just feel like, you know what? I got in the habit of wearing a mask when I was going to be indoors around people. And I still think that it seems like a reasonable thing to do if for nothing else than to, to be respectful. At some point, and we've talked about this. When do people? When do? When does someone start saying, or when does people start saying, "Hey, sir, please take your mask off. It's it, it's inappropriate, or it's threatening, or you know, I don't know." Yeah, probably in a bank for the first time. I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> one of those places. Well, it's funny. I also saw an article that said, you know, on the flip side of that, we need to normalize wearing masks now when you have a cold, when you don't feel good, when you're simply feeling run down or not great, because not only did the masks protect a lot of people, obviously, from contracting COVID-19, but flu numbers were down, like, so drastically. People, you know, people aren't reporting colds. Daycares aren't, you know, seeing 
rounds of, of the stomach, but like all of these things. And that's a good thing. So how do we also get to a place or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe we don't, but that's if you're running into the store be, because you need medicine and you're not feeling great, you wear a mask and that's okay. And we just all start being smarter about protecting ourselves and others when we're sick with anything. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think that's a, that's a good development. It's, it's, it's a little, it's, it's un, unfortunate that it was thrust upon us uh, by this virus, but I think if for people it becomes normal or, or, or you know, an option uh, or a personal choice to wear a mask and, uh, you know, that's fine. And it's certainly going to be fine with me. And, and maybe I'll be one of those people depending on the situation, you know. I just bought tickets to an indoor, you know, event at a theater where the seats are like, it's old for the seats are like jammed in there. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. That's in August. Um and I didn't think twice about. It. I didn't even think twice about it. It's just it's amazing how the advancement in um, inoculation and 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 how things have gone, and really making people very quickly feel much better about it and, and and much much safer. Yeah, and I think what businesses, you know, to your point, what businesses are going to have to start dealing with or preparing for is, yeah, you know, do you ask people to still wear them out of a courtesy if you're still asking your staff to wear them. I went to a coffee shop and that was the sign. It was like, you know, please wear it because we're asking our staff to. Totally fine. Um, do, you know, to your point, banks come to mind sort of as a joke, but also seriously, are there places where they don't want you to wear a mask? Um, and there's going to be some, you know, some messaging and figuring out of some policies and things for people and businesses as they figure out what the path forward is. Because no one's entirely certain. We just know that we're we're ready to be done, but we don't want to risk it coming back or anything else. We're all now prepared for what could potentially be some other pandemic someday. So I guess good on us. Um, but businesses get to come back, which obviously is great for the economy and great for everyone. And a big part of that, to your point, uh, events, music halls, theaters, amazing. Can't wait to see live music again and sports, which are back in full swing just in time for playoff season. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, there's going to be, uh, you know, Fenway Park is getting full. There's going to be full Gillette Stadium. There was, like you mentioned, the Bruins game. Um, it, it's uh, it, it, again, it's 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 pretty uh, it's pretty remarkable, and it's a good thing to see. Um, just one little curveball because we haven't really talked about it a lot uh, earlier today, and that is when you think about the workplace. I think the one thing uh, you know that that fascinates me is to what degree some permanence and new work um, styles are going to are going to settle in um, because I don't think it's just about it's not it's no longer just about safety and public safe, public health it's about okay a year is a long eight year 18 months or whatever that's more than yeah more than a year 18 that's a long time to completely change the work environment of say an office and then expect that nothing will have been adapted to or adopted as a new practice so i think that's going to be probably going to 
you know, case by case basis within companies and organizations, how much remote work becomes a permanent thing? What are the policies that are instituted inside companies? I think some companies learn, probably learned or a lot probably learned, okay, we figured out how to continue to be productive and successful when our workforce is not all together during the work week. Um, but is that the best way for the company to operate? In, in some cases, maybe some companies learned that it is and others they figured out, they just figured out how to get through and survive. And I think a lot are just gonna be a combination of, all right, our workforce adapted to these, this situation, adopted some new habits out of necessity, how much of that do we want to build into our permanent work culture going forward? Yeah, I don't, is it here to stay or will it kind of slowly go back? I don't know, but I, I do I do know that for the workers, um, they're going to have a hard time getting people to go back to full on nine to five. And people will, I think, if the company they work for, you know, they're going to fight for that probably in a different way than they did before, if it's not going to be offered. So, well, um, I think, perma you know, we've talked about this before, but there will be permanent changes, certainly from people's behavior, um, how they live, how they work, where they live, how they commute, all of these things that we're going to see for an incredibly long time. Yeah, I, I agree. Hey, we talked briefly about sports and arenas. Let's just let's just end on what's kind of in the biggest story, one of the biggest stories of the week, of the last few days in Boston, and that's and that's the Boston Celtics and the <laughs> relatively sudden, uh, not hugely surprising, but certainly sudden departure, stepping down of uh, Danny Ainge, director of basketball operations, for many years. Uh, the Celtics sort of bow out of the playoffs and bow out of the season, and uh, and you know. Continuing a record of underachievement, um, you know, there was a lot of anticipation around Brad Stevens when he became coach. I think he's also guilty of underachievement in addition to the players on the court. Um, and this is, this is, we don't talk a lot about sports. It's, this is more of a cultural thing. There's a few pieces of work here. And, and, and one of them is, you know, it, it, this all happened around the same time as the much anticipated return to the garden of Kyrie Irving, who left Boston, uh, in, you know, in not not perfect circumstances for everyone, and and, and um, was considered, uh, you know, a a, a, a tremendous pro uh, not prospect, but a great opportunity for the Celtics that was never realized. Uh, and, and I think Danny Ainge uh, bore a lot of that blame, and then. Kyrie Irving coming in, coming back in, warned that he thought bad things would happen or that there would be some kind of an incident or that he, you know, he reminded people about the racial tension that exists for players and players of color when they're playing in Boston. And, and then sure enough, there was an incident, however, it was motivated where a guy, you know, guy from Braintree throws a bottle at him. Um, so all these things are sort of together as Danny Ainge um, departs, basically, uh, uh, probably an appropriate 
punctuation to a, a period of underperformance after uh, the wonderful championship season that we enjoyed, quite frankly, many, many years ago. Yeah, you know, you touch upon a few things. So, number one, Boston's a tough city uh, to be an athlete and or, or part of a sports team, and we have incredibly high expectations, you know, like parade or nothing less. Um, so the bar is always, I think, exceptionally high here. That's I think that's hard for any club, any manager, any coach, any, you know, any team. Um Danny Ainge and the Celtics are just synonymous with each other. It's been so long. You like, you know, for me personally, I can't remember a time where they weren't like associated. So that's definitely an interesting shift. And look, there's been a lot of talk by a lot of people, athletes, comedians, Globe Spotlight series, businesses, you name it about, you know, racist issues that they encounter and circumstances in Boston. And yeah, that that's we're not done um and there's a lot to there's a lot to figure out there to make you know but that's beyond that's beyond sports that's that's a whole other thing that we can't we don't have time to unpack today and obviously don't have a solution for but as we're going it's it's unfortunate that all of this is punctuating at a time where people are also so excited about welcoming sports back but again Boston's a tough city in a lot of ways, um, and you know we should continue to be our own worst critics uh, because we have to be. Otherwise, it's not going to get better. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think, and, and there's been incidents at Fenway Park and elsewhere. You know, th- there's there is a kind of a persistent narrative that whether you're a visiting player or or or, or whether you're uh, you know a, a player for a local team, that there has there has been um, not a, an entirely welcoming atmosphere um, uh, for 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 athletes um, on a on a you know in a racial in a race context, um, and and we've and, and we have seen enough incidents to make us wonder as local fans, you know, why does this have to be like this, and and what can be done about it? And, and I think that conversation. Is, uh, is, is certainly going to continue. But we mark the departure of Danny Ainge in that little context, and it's certainly much much bigger than that. A new era begins for the Boston Celtics. Brad Stevens assuming that role. That, that hopefully is a good thing for the team um, because uh, as exciting as it was to see him come in as a coach, just don't know um, how successful he'll be. Uh, he'll be looked at long-term as a uh, as a coach of the Boston Celtics. So sports is a big one in Boston, always has been, always will be. And, uh, and there you have it. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of 321 Go Cayenne. Thanks a lot. Great talking to you as always. Good catching up. It's been too long. We'll do it again very soon. Our program is recorded remotely uh, around the Commonwealth and the U.S. Our producer is Catherine O'Brien. Thanks for listening. Goodbye till next time. I'm Cosmo Michelle. Veteran television and media personality Jimmy Young and the founder of 
pro-cannabis media, one of the fastest growing and most exciting media properties in the cannabis industry. Jimmy Young, great to have you on OA On Air. Hey, anytime I see an open microphone, I'm ready to jump right in. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Well, Jimmy, you and I have uh, known each other for many years, and I followed your career, which has been uh, remarkable. Um, And I have really paid close attention over the past several years as you have, um, you know, I I would describe your uh, endeavors as entrepreneurship within uh, the cannabis industry, but really from the media perspective. Uh, And you've been a tremendous resource uh, for uh, those in the cannabis industry to to market and promote and and, and to become more visible. Also a very strong advocate. Um, and, and now you're really growing in, in tremendous uh, uh, directions and at scale. And I'd like you to talk, uh, tell our listeners about about pro cannabis media and what uh, what your next moves are. I never thought in a million years that I would move from sports to cannabis. Okay, and and that's been my story. That's been my career. In between, I suppose you could say I was a teacher too, and I still am. I've always been a teacher and a coach. And now my hope is I can combine all my experiences and give the cannabis industry a voice that they can trust and will treat them with professional respect, which is not the case with a lot of traditional media and cannabis. This industry is being held under a microscope and is expected to do absolutely everything right in the most highly regulated environment possible. And if they misstep at all, it becomes the lead lead story on the news. And that bothers me. Um, There's so many amazing stories that I'm being told that about people who have used this plant for medicinal uh, for medicinal use and have changed their life uh, and it, and, it, and they've saved their lives in many many ways and those are the stories we're telling on a somewhat regular basis on pro cannabis media we, we produce three pieces of content every week a new show an interview show and a live business talk show called the green rush and the you look the cultural the cultural um, shift or revolution uh, it, it, it took many years to come about but then it has moved at light speed just in say in the past five or six years or maybe seven or eight years and and, and now you know adult use recreational um, it, it's 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 part of the culture of not just the Commonwealth of Massachusetts but many other states uh, and, and it, so certainly. Medical use uh, cannabis has been an important uh, treatment option for, for, for years. And, and, and the, the first sort of um, uh, opening for the cannabis industry, but now it's full adult use recreational, uh, again, a, a cultural shift. And, um, and I think the industry is growing very quickly and maturing in a way. Uh, and I think you raise a good point. There are these high expectations that, um, but uh, I think the industry is maturing in, in, in a way that's, uh, um, uh, you know, that's very positive. Yeah, it, it's amazing. You know, the word fascinating, Cosmo, uh, enters my vocabulary on a regular basis whenever I talk about this industry because I am so um, fascinated by the different aspects, the science and the research that has driven the green wave uh, internationally uh, to get accepted as a medicine. And, you know, I think we're, we're seeing that this, this plant has been a last resort for so many people who have exhausted um, the Western medicine tradition. 
and they move over to the eastern side and, and look at plant medicine. And now that's starting to change. And, and that perhaps is more of an indication uh, of normalcy and respect for this plant that has been around and been used medicinally for 5,000 years. I mean, it's just amazing to me. Um, but Cosmo, it's not amazing to me because race has played such a huge role in the cannabis space for law enforcement to profile and to uh, stereotype and fill the jails with black people who have been in the wrong place at the wrong time carrying a few joints and that changes their lives and and it's just disgusting to me um and yet that is part of the reason why i'm so passionate about this cause yeah and, and certainly that imbalance that justice imbalance was addressed in the legislation and and, and we hope uh, we see signs but we hope that uh it um, it is addressed properly as the industry grows and opportunity is brought to everyone. Um, to talk about how we can, well, first of all, you've got some interesting guests coming up. If you can talk about some of them, I'd love you to, because, uh, you know, I'm a, uh, I've seen the show and listened to your podcast and, and, and have come across a lot of really good industry guests, but now you're really moving into the realm of celebrity. There's a lot of celebrity entrepreneurs in the cannabis space also. Absolutely. And, you know, there's no bigger celebrity when it comes to sex, drugs and rock and roll than the late Jerry Garcia. So I'll, I'll start with his daughter, Trixie, first, because that's going to be the next interview I get to do. And I'm, I, I am like a kid in a candy store when I meet and talk to people like this, because the dead had played such an important role in my life and in my journey, if you will, my cannabis journey uh, through my career. And now to come full circle and, and talk to his daughter is really going to be uh, quite a thrill for me. But that's just one of the celebrities. You know, in business, to me, in the cannabis space, when you talk about entrepreneurship, there's no bigger celebrity than a guy by the name of Bruce Linton, who was the founder and CEO of Canopy Growth in Canada. And he'll be joining us on our business show on Friday. And it allows us to really get into the nitty gritty of the investor group, the movement, the fact that Canada has it legal, uh, it, it's just great. And he's he's a regular, if you will, with us. I've also gotten to talk to Steve D'Angelo, who's been called the father of the cannabis industry in California. Uh, he's been fighting for advocacy and legalization since the early 70s. And now he's in his 60s. And he's the uh, he was the chairman of the board of Harborside um, in California, a dispensary that is publicly traded in Canada, but I think he may have resigned from that, but he's a legend too. And then you get into the sports figures and there's a ton of sports figures involved in cannabis. Mike Tyson is probably the, the most recognizable name that is uh, invested in cannabis. Uh, the great Joe Montana is also invested in a, in a CBD company uh, locally here, um, former Boston Celtic Paul, Paul Pierce, is involved with a uh, vape company. And now I believe he's in, in, interested into the cannabis space. Um, and um, Calvin Johnson, uh, Megatron, uh, is also opening a dispensary in Michigan. And so what you're seeing now is the uh, socially conscious black athlete putting their money where their mouth is and where their talent is and where their reputation is and getting involved in a opportunity to give back to their community and also be socially responsible capitalists. And that that's a theme that I hear a lot of Cosmo. 
That's remarkable. Megatron is uh, neck and neck with Randy Moss from my favorite receiver in NFL history. And that's terrific that he's involved in the industry and uh, uh, quite a legendary figure. Tell us the ways that um, uh, that we can um, uh, access pro cannabis media. Um, I know you're on certain uh, cable cable systems as well as online. Yeah, no, it's so interesting. You know, the, this whole cable cord cutting that's going on, Cosmo, is is a fascinating thing unto itself. I, I pay for all services, okay? I've, I've got cable in my home and in my business. I have Wi-Fi. I have Roku. I have Apple. I have Amazon. I mean, the live streaming world has now taken over the distribution of content. And, you know, my first company was Young Broadcasters of America back in 2008 to 2013, where I trained young people to be on-camera talent. And we were live streaming onto our website in 09 while doing a over-the-air radio broadcast. And that was in 09. So I was way ahead of the curve. And now everybody's getting caught up. And now I can say, yes, Pro Cannabis Media's content is available live streaming on ProCannabisMedia.com. It takes our Roku channel where we're live streaming also 24-7 and have all of our programs available on demand and pushes it and embeds it onto our website. But that's the that's the recorded content. When we go live and Fridays, 4 p.m. Eastern, we go live every Friday at 4 with the Business of Cannabis show. And we're live on Roku. We're live on Amazon. We're live on Apple. We're live on our website. We're live on Twitch. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. And YouTube is usually the one where we get the most action and where we've had over 100,000 views of our work over the last 90 days. So we're taking advantage of the ways to distribute content now and maximize it. And I'm not just talking about the visual component as well. Once the live visual show is complete, we strip the audio file and turn that into a podcast and then distribute that on your iTunes and your Spotify and your um, iHeartRadio and your TuneIn and all that. So what I've done more than anything else is I continue to create content and then distribute it in as many ways as possible. And what we're trying to do now is to adapt the content to the social media platform. And as you know, Cosmo, um, young people have the uh, attention span of a gnat. Okay. We're talking about maybe seven to 15 seconds. So uh, taking a two hour live talk show and clipping 15 seconds out of it or 20 seconds out of it is a challenge. And that's really where we're at right now. And it's another reason why I love doing what I'm doing because I'm mentoring young people again in this distribution process. Excellent. All right, I've been talking to Jimmy Young, pro cannabis media founder. Jimmy, you've done tremendous work over the years training young people in broadcasting and, and, and media. And, and, that, and it's, it's great to hear that work continues. Um, God bless you for that. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on OA On Air. It's been a pleasure, and we will have you back. Hey, I appreciate it. And I love that it was short and sweet, Cosmo, so I can get back to doing what I love to do, which is interview celebrities. Now, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. All right. Say hi to Trixie Garcia. You bet. Hi, Cayenne. Hi, Tom. How are you? Doing fine. It's good to talk to you. I haven't been, we haven't been together in a while. We haven't, and we are overdue for two minutes together. There we are. So maybe we make it three this morning. Anyway, right. it's, good, it's good to talk to you. You too. How have you been, sir? 
everything is fine, uh, healthy, trying to get back to some degree of normalcy. Um, and, you know, since we've talked, the world, I think, has begun to discover that normal is just around the corner. We're back to normal in Massachusetts, but in places like California, we're still a week or two or three away. Yep. And um, But I think people, too, are feeling that if I'm vaccinated, I'm somewhat bulletproof and uh, therefore I'm okay. And, you know, there's still a hesitancy, on, I'd say, on the majority of people as they, as they walk into a restaurant or as they go into a building to work or whatever it is. And so, you know, and I think the relaxation takes place once they're at the table or once they're at their their desk. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it's, we do a lot of things outdoors here. So for me, I, I've always felt more comfortable because so much of what we do here is outside. The idea of walking into a store completely unmasked seems like such a foreign concept. I mean, it's been a year now. Um, but we're also seeing that mass vaccination sites shut down because the need just isn't there. People are going to start just as they get more comfortable, probably at drugstores or their, you know, primary care physician or, or urgent care, what have you. Um, can President Biden, is this a win? Is this a concrete win for him? Oh, I think it is. I think the promise was right after the inauguration where he stood up and talked about COVID-19 and what he was going to do that he was going to get 100 million people vaccinated by, you know, the the end of the first six months or the first 100 days, and, and he doubled that number, mm -hmm. uh, whatever it was. I, I So, I yes, I think nobody nobody can help but thank him for what he provided in the way of leadership. I mean, there's still lingering people, and there's a lingering population of people that don't want it or have, you know, have this hesitancy about getting vaccinated, um, and they're Governments are doing everything from giving lottery tickets out to free meals, to free Uber rides, to to people get, that want to get vaccinated. You know, we'll see where all that takes us. But, um, you know, the herd, the herd immunity is is almost there, I think. And I think people understand that they've digested that and they're beginning to, you know, employ that in their everyday work and 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 operation. I think, too, that. Um, you know, the, as an office, we're not coming back, I guess, until after Labor Day and give people another 90 or 100 days to kind of just get back and get some semblance of normalcy so they can get their, their family lives back in place, get their children in place, and make sure that things are taken care of. Yeah. So a lot of times when we talk about presidents and their administrations, we also talk about what they inherit from a previous administration, you know, you, the economy, you have a lot of times you'll look and say, well, the economy that any president is dealing with is really left over from before. All sort of issues aside, does, does the Trump administration deserve any of the credit for where we are at today? Because well, basically yeah. Joe Biden walked into vaccines sort of being ready to go like could the arg and i'm playing devil's advocate here i don't know that we would have been this successful this quickly had trump stayed in office but how much of that is owed to the science and sort of some of the policies that were created no i, I think that that um, while trump inherited a very strong economy from from barack obama and that administration 
I think he added to it with some stimulus, to be very honest with you, whether it was a stimulus package or a tax reduction. I think that all fired up, you know, a very energetic economy and made it even stronger. And I think that's what, what Joe Biden has inherited. I also think that Biden um, and the president and the administration are looking at, again, a vast number of people who are still unemployed or underemployed and need to have money put in their pocket and is looking for yet another stimulus package, which is, again, transformative. We've talked about this a little bit. It's not just to put people back to work on a road or a bridge, but it's really to make sure that we have digital capability for everybody throughout the country, that we have, you know, that we have a green energy society and culture that will employ people and be better for the, you know, environmental conditions of our country and the world. Um, those types of things are really, I think, very practical and, and I think are adding to the economy as well. Um, and so, yes, he inherited some, but I think he's contributed to, to a lot of it as well. Yeah. Well, summer is here. Masks are coming off. All signs point to good things. You know what? It's, it's beginning to be a brighter day and it will only get brighter. <laughs> I love you, Cayenne. Have a great day. Thanks, Tom. That's it for this week's episode of OA On Air via social distancing. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you next week.